What's up, guys? Welcome to episode five of the New York Minute, the Hoops Rumor Mill. Um, we're going to put a pin in the greatest New York sports franchises of all time. A lot of hot stove stuff going on, Knicks and Nets. Um, Last Dance is fresh on everyone's mind. So we're going to kick it off with that and kind of roll with the next hour, um, some NBA stuff. This is the New York Minute. Adam, what do you think? Uh, last Dance last night, episodes 7 and 8, I believe? Yeah, what yeah. Do we got? Give me some takeaways. Yeah. Um, the first thing would be just the competitive nature of Jordan and kind of the, um, the end justifies the, the means uh, mentality that he had. And um, it, it was very singular. Like the only thing... That he cared about was winning. It seems, even though he got his numbers, it seemed like he did not care about his numbers. The only thing that mattered at the end of the day was him holding the trophy. Rings. Uh, rings. And, yeah. and when you really think about it, that's the only thing people remember. Um, and that's how we kind of weigh how good players are. It's, it's championships. It's not statistics. So um, the Jordan mentality has kind of taken on a life of its own where we just kind of weigh people on how they do in, in, in championships, that's how we kind of grade the, the, the competition and how good people are. We were talking about earlier today, like Harden. This guy just puts up ridiculous numbers. Yeah, yeah, James Harden's a good example. Um, the usage is high. He gets his numbers. He's looking for his MVP. He's yes. looking for his MVP trophy every year. He's not going to miss time. He's not going to take games off to rest. He wants to get his stats. He wants to get his MVP trophy. It's at the detriment sometimes, because he's broken down in the playoffs, um, of, of winning. And in 20 years, are we really going to remember James Harden the same way that we remember Jordan? I, I don't think we're going to remember, I don't think we're going to remember really much at all. I mean, we'll remember him as just one of the other guys, basically. You got Russell Westbrook just chasing triple doubles. Yeah, Westbrook's every another night. one. Yeah. And, if and he doesn't get the titles. That MVP season that he had, I mean, the, the organization was basically complicit in, in that happening. It was like, Durant left. I'm going to average a triple double. Nobody else is going to rebound. We're going to box out for this guy, and there was no there was no emphasis on winning. I think if you're the only way you're going to remember these guys, if you're like a sports junkie, NBA junkie, and you're going to remember, yeah, back in 2000, you know, 18 or 19, Harden had these numbers, of course. But the average NBA fan household name in 20 years, if these guys don't have rings, it's not you you're know not going to remember. Me, you're going to go on Twitter. And you're going to see some random account like Hoop City TV, and it's going to say, James Harden was a bucket in 2009. And it's going to be a three-minute highlight montage of James Harden's step-backs. And that's what you're going to remember. Um, it's going to be something like that. You always had the, the like girlfriend analogy? Yeah. Where yes. It's kind of like... Your girlfriend doesn't know who Alex English was. No. Okay, Alex English led the 80s in scoring. He had more points than any other player in the 80s. No, your girlfriend does not know who Alex English is. And um, I, think, I think you might get caught in that scenario with a lot of players. And that's why I think um, a guy like Curry is maybe a little underrated. Because Curry's like, yeah, yeah, go get Durant. I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice some numbers. You know, I just, I just want to I just, I just win titles. A guy like Clay Thompson, he can go somewhere. Clay Thompson could have signed with somebody else, uh, got a max contract, averaged 35 a game. But he's like, nah, you know what? I'll just be the number two or the number three in Golden State. Rings. I'll just keep winning titles. And uh, you got to respect guys like that. And people are going to remember. People are going to remember Clay Thompson. Absolutely. They're going to remember because he kept winning. Just like they remember Scottie Pippen. Well, he dropped 70 on three dribbles. Yeah, yeah. That, that uh, <laughs> 40-point quarter or whatever that was. Um, any other takeaways you had from the... Um, those Bulls practices. Yeah. I don't know. Did those practices really mold these guys? Um, the year... All right, so he left in 93, right? So 93-94, yeah. they come back with you know, a bunch of the same guys. They had three all-stars coming off of that season. Yeah. Pippen, Armstrong, and Grant. Was it a product of Jordan just destroying these guys and like breaking them down to their core in practice and, and bringing them back up into a better player? Or I, is it just I they were good? Listen, they, they were all stars. At the end of the day, 
you could kind of, I mean, the, the end does kind of justify the means in a way where it's like, well, they won titles, so it worked. But that leadership style is basically just a form of bullying, right? They won the titles. Was it mostly Jordan with a great supporting uh, cast that he developed? or I don't think he developed them. I, I mean, yeah, they were tough and they stuff were good. like that. They were good. Like, like, I don't think Steve Kerr was a lead shooter because Michael Jordan punched him in the face. <laughs> Like, I, I think he was just a good shooter. And I don't, like, I just don't know if any of that really mattered. I think there, like, you could have taken a different approach and still won, I think. Like, Jordan was really good. Pippen was really good. Robin won titles before he got there. I think with the uh, the tough love, quote-unquote, approach, um, it just seemed to me like he was just kind of a bully. And um, I think it worked because the team was good. You think practices are going on like that right now? Yeah, no, I, I, do I think, I, do you think that would work today? You think that style of bullshit? No, absolutely not. I don't think that's... No, it's not happening. I don't see him bullying Charles Oakley in these practices. You notice (laughs) that? I don't see him bullying Charles Oakley. I don't see him pushing around Rodman or, or, you know, like... He said he he punched the smallest guy in the team. Yeah, he punched the smallest guy in the team. That's (laughs) true. You know, so... um, I thought it was questionable at best. I don't don't know if it had an effect, but it's undeniable. Uh, You can't deny him because he won. So if he says this is what we needed to do to win, and they won, how can you question it? Yeah, you're you're totally right. Rings. Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Rings. Um, I had another thought, which was I wanted to talk about um, the media scrutiny and how this was kind of the first athlete where this amount of unprecedented coverage was was placed on one person. Uh, Do you think he handled it good? I think he got a little overwhelmed, but like you said, it was the first time really when he was a worldwide figure, so didn't really have anything to kind of base it off of, but I, I, I think he was, I think he could have did better. I think he could have handled it a little better, just kind of brushed off more stuff. I think it affected him a lot. I, yeah, I think, I think he could have had thicker skin, Yeah, um, yeah. for sure. I think he let it kind of get in his head a little bit, and I think you got you to gotta wonder how it would have been today. Because the scrutiny now is a hundred times what it was then. So go back. Imagine there was Twitter. Imagine yeah. people following around with cell phones all day. Like I think it would be in in the practices. Imagine all the all the stuff that really would have came to light. So yeah. there's so much more. Yes, that's true. Um, the only thing I'll say is now, like it's 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 just there. It's been there. Like like yeah. it's expected. It's been done. Unexpected. Yeah, it's been done. Yeah. But you got to give a guy like LeBron a lot of credit because this guy was basically anointed at age. 16 like the chosen one and 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 he's been basically followed and and scrutinized the entire time and he's he's he gets hammered by a lot of media and he's really kind of held up and lived up to the expectations which is almost even more remarkable than his accomplishments on the court to be honest with you but um yeah i I think jordan probably could have handled it better but again it was so unprecedented and at the end of the day he kept winning so but uh did, did he lose a couple of years because of the media i don't know um I originally thought the media made him retire, but after watching last night, I, I kind of think it was more just his dad dying that kind of made him retire the first time. Uh, but the media probably played a little bit of a role in it, too. So, yeah, I think he could have thicker skin, but I thought he handled it pretty good, basically, is my roundabout answer. Let's chat about his baseball career real fast. Yeah, all right. No strike. Is he getting any at-bats in the MLB? How many years he- does it take? Francona was saying 1,500 at-bats he should, he should be taking. I don't know how, how many he actually had. What do you bet, 205? I bet like 202, 202. 50 runs in. That, I, I don't know how many games that he was. He picked up a baseball or a bat to, from when he was 14 to when he retired. So it's a 16-year gap. So that's pretty good. He had 13-year industry. The um, work... The way the batting coaches were saying his work ethic was ridiculous before, yeah, after, he during. I don't think he would have ever been an all-star, but I feel like if he just kept at it for like three, four more years, he would have broke through eventually. But at, at that point, you're now in your 30s. You know yeah, I mean? So now you're taking a young guy's spot. So it's, it was 50-50, I'd say, that he actually makes it. But then again, how do you keep him off the field? Just to sell tickets, you know what I mean? Sell tickets, ratings, this, that. I mean, like like Reinsdorf said, like they couldn't even keep him at a double-A because they didn't have the facilities. You know, lower. <laughs> it's crazy for the media, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, excited for next week. Uh, yeah, any other thoughts week. on the MJ? Or? Um, no, I think that pretty much wraps it up. You'll be sad when, he, uh, when, when it ends. 
Speaking of sad, he uh, he broke down. I don't know if oh, he was yeah. whacked. That was tough. Was he was he drunk? Or... <laughs> oh, after he won the title? No, no, no. Uh, in the uh... oh, when he got choked up. <laughs> yeah, did he have too yeah, many? Yeah, 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 no, he, uh, he no. definitely had that like drunk cry going. Yeah. Like, don't cut it. Don't... <laughs> All, right. All right. So um, there is some there is some stuff we could get into with the Knicks and the Nets, and that's kind of why we wanted to put a pin in the um, in the greatest franchises uh, conversation. So. Um, I think we're going to kick off with the Knicks today. Um, so, with the Knicks, the first thing I want to talk about is Chris Paul. Um, is Chris Paul the right move for the Knicks? Why or why not? And and kind of why he's linked. So, we'll start off with the rumor. Uh, the rumor is that the, the Leon Rose, who was Chris Paul's agent, and who thinks Chris Paul is one of his was one of the best players in the NBA, basically, um, is now the GM of the Knicks. And... The word is that he's interested in getting Chris Paul and acquiring him in order to kind of facilitate a culture change at the Garden. So let's start with you, Mike. What do you think? What do you think about this move? So you're more of a salary cap guy than I am. So I'm just going to throw this out there. In 21-22, he would have to opt in to a 44. Okay, let's just. Million he's opting in. Yeah. That's an opt-in. So do you, 100% he's opting in. There's no way you're not opting in. He's opting in. So do you That's, want it? It's not even an opt-in. We'll just call it 44. Like, he's yeah. not getting that on the open market. It's a player He's option. going to opt-in. Yeah. So do you do you want to deal with that? $44 million locked up for, at that point, he's going to be 37-ish? Okay, so I got some stuff for Chris Paul. Last year, age 34. Okay, 17.7 points, 6.8 assists, 4.9 rebounds. 49, 36, and 90 slash line. He makes the all-star team at age 34 in the West. We know how loaded the West is. He's got a team that no one thought could snip contention right in the middle of the playoff race. Some guys, like, they just don't lose, right? And I feel like Chris Paul is, like, one of those guys. Like, if he's on your team, he's going to drag you into the playoff race, okay? So, Jason Kidd was kind of like that. Uh, this, you know, a guy that walks in and changes the culture. Kevin Garnett was like that, as a, and, and I think Chris Paul is in that mold. They walk into the building, they just change the culture. He's... Still an all-star. Uh, he's, he comes to the East. He's automatically a top two or three-point guard in the East. I, I, as far as you mentioned the age, I don't really care about the age. I'll tell you why. 35 isn't that old in 2020. That's number one. You don't, you don't have this guy in a four- or five-year deal. You have him for two years. You know what I'm saying? Um, OKC probably wants him off the books, so you don't have to give up much to get him. Um, they're trying to go young. Um, and with, with the salary cap probably going to drop, it's a small market team. They don't want to pay tax, so they're going to want to get off him. You can basically get him for free, basically. Um, you're not going to get him for as cheap as OKC got him because he proved that he still has value now that he's playing with OKC versus when he was in Houston. It was kind of like, okay, maybe there's a little bit of drop-off. He really hasn't dropped off. The other thing, point guards age well. Jason Kidd, all-star at 36. He didn't drop off till he was 37. John Stockton, all-star at 37. He dropped off at 38. Steve Nash, all-star at 37. Back gives out the next year. Isaiah Thomas, retired young, but he was still, he was still productive in his later years. Andre Miller, another guy. He played until he was 39. Magic Johnson comes back after a four-year layoff at age 36, averaging 15-7-5 with, with the uh, Lakers. So, yeah, I, I, I think uh, I don't really mind. I don't really mind the money is basically what I'm trying to say. So so you you, you ripped off his stats real class. <clears throat> Since 2015, they've been a, a gradual decline, not huge. Points, rebounds, assists, and seals all down since 2015. Okay. You threw out there that there's a two-year window for him to kind of do some stuff. Yeah. Are the Knicks going to win a title in two years with Chris Paul? No, definitely not. But if you have Chris Paul in the building, um, does he, he elevate change? the level of play? Does he take some of the pressure off R.J. Barrett? Does he help? He definitely helps Mitchell Robinson, who's basically a, a lob guy. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, I, think, um, I think it's a good move. Is it worth it? At 35, you're getting two years out of him. You're going to use up all that salary cap. Maybe you could get someone with similar stats. Maybe the culture won't be there that he could bring. And that, you know, the veteran mentality and playing with all these guys over all these years. Is it worth it? Uh, so I, I, I have kind of a, a, a comparison for this. I would compare it to when the Nets got Joe Johnson. Uh, the general consensus at that time was that Joe Johnson was the worst contract in the league. You couldn't play him. I mean, you couldn't pay him that, um, and he was basically untradeable. And the Nets gave up a little bit more than you would think to get him. They, they, they gave a couple of pick swaps in there. Um, so they, they gave up a decent amount. He was already on the decline, and he declined steeply as soon as he got to the Nets. But he wins them a playoff series. 
Uh, he hits a bunch of clutch shots. Um, he's he basically morphs into like this team leader, like a quiet kind of team leader. He made an All Star team, which the Nets hadn't had an All Star. Um, so I think that um, I think Chris Paul can be a better version of that for the Knicks. Um, he's thirty five. Yeah, he doesn't have a title. Yeah. Why does he come to New York? He could. Veto, Why does he come? To he New could York? veto anything, right? Yes. Um, does he? That's a great question. Does he want uh, a title? He, does he there, want? Does he want the title? Like we were talking about earlier. The thing is, with Chris are we going to forget about Chris Paul in fifteen, twenty point. years? Yeah. Um, the one thing I'll say is, it's going to be hard to match contracts for a contender okay. to go get him. So he, his options might be limited. Just stick around. And now he gets yeah. to play in, in New York versus playing in Oklahoma, okay. which is the smallest market in the NBA. Um, he's already a big endorsement guy. You see him you saw, all, all night last night at State Farm, Chris Paul. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be my thought. And then at the end of two years, if he's still playing well, now he's a free agent. Um, so, Shy in OKC? Shy Gilgis Alexander, yeah. Is he playing better because of Chris Paul? And can he, can Chris Paul do the same thing for the guys? On the current Nick roster, like an RJ Barrett, I think so. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. I think he takes the pressure off. I think, like, I think Shea Gilgis Alexander. I think he could be a top fifteen guy. Like he's that good. Um, but again, like All he's young. He's eye. young, yeah. right? So Chris Paul takes a lot of the pressure. He's your primary ball handler, and now you got a couple of guards in there. Um, and there's who knows? Who knows what kind of stuff. Is rubbing off onto Gilgis Alexander and and R.J. Barrett. In my opinion, he shouldn't be your number one creator. You know what I mean, if he's your number one guy on offense, you're running the whole offense. Still, that's a lot of pressure for an 18 year old that can't really shoot. So I think that if you bring in Chris Paul and make Barrett kind of a secondary guy, um, I think it might help with his development. I think I personally don't like the age, and I think the Knicks can kind of use someone, maybe not 30, maybe not a rookie, but someone. With a little bit of experience, just that could maybe stick around for like five, six, seven years if they could find no, some. Yeah, I, I like, and, and, and we had mentioned in an early contest, a, a, a podcast, I, I like the Fred Van Fleet move for him. What was it? Who did we Fred mention? Was, was their last good point guard? Ray Felton. Ray Felton. Right, was, I, mean, right. I mean, was he, I mean, he was okay, but he was like, <laughs> he's like their best guard since 2000, their best point guard. Um, with Van Fleet, though, here's the thing you got you gotta hope that. He doesn't resign with Toronto, and then when he if he does hit the open market, you gotta hope that he picks you. You know what I mean? That's the problem with the Knicks. The, the people haven't picked them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you can get a guy like Chris Paul in the building, now you have him in the building. So I don't know. It's it's a, it's a difficult decision, and at the end of the day, it might depend on what goes out. But if you don't have to give up any of your core assets, I think you should do it. I think it's a good deal for the Knicks. And I think it'd be a good deal for the uh, the Thunder. So yeah, hope. Yeah, hope. Coaching candidates, that's another thing um, for the Knicks going on right now. Uh, latest, we have heard, who is rumored? Uh, we've heard Tom Thibodeau's name. We've heard Kenny Atkinson's name. We've heard Jeff Van Gundy's name. Do you have any opinion on on any of these guys, Mike? Um, I'd like to just start with Mike Miller. Oh, okay, yeah, the incubator. What are the okay. chance? Yeah, let's just start with the incubator. Okay. What are the chances of him actually coming back? I'm gonna say zero. Yeah, um, uh, they they say. I he's like a Mike good Miller's a player development guy. Player but development guy. Yeah, they're not gonna back. Yeah, they're not gonna bring him back. Um, he was he's 17 and 27. Not bad. With that, not uh, terrible yeah, with that squad. Not, not terrible. Yeah. Um, if you had to throw a, a betting line out there, what are you gonna put for Mike Miller? Um, coaching next season as I'm gonna put plus two thousand. I, I don't think it's yeah, going to happen. Yeah. Um, I, if I had to pick a, a coach for them, just seeing what he did for the Nets, I mean, I, I would go Kenny Atkinson. I agree. Um, the culture he brought in, he developed guys from absolutely nowhere. He got KD and Kyrie pretty much to come over. He gets these guys to work every single night. He's playing the current style of the NBA, just massive amounts of threes. He limits their minutes, which is, you know, I think we all know about load management. Um, I just yeah, think it would fit. really rigid with that. Too. Yeah. Like, you're he, not getting 32 minutes if you're, if you're uh, playing Frackinson. I think that's the best shot for the, the young players over there. Um, I don't know if one of these older guys that haven't coached in a decade are going to be able to transition into the style of play that's going on right now. Um, 
Well, let me give you the Thibodeau argument. Okay, right, we'll go Tibbs. We can talk Tibbs. Okay, all he does is win. Uh, he was, was the it? defensive coordinator for the champion Celtics in 2008. He gets to the Bulls. He makes them a contender and the best defensive team in the league. Okay, his voice runs out over there. Uh, Minnesota gives him the gig, right? Minnesota's basically in fourth place. They hadn't made the playoffs since Garnett left. They're basically in fourth place. Jimmy Butler gets hurt. They still make the playoffs. So it was their first playoff appearance in like a decade. Okay, uh, then he gets canned out of there. Uh, he's a defensive guy. He makes he makes some sense for the Knicks roster because their two best prospects are um, Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett. And I think both of them are kind of like their defense is what is their highest end of potential. What what I mean by that is if you project Mitchell Robinson going forward, it's as a blocks lobs kind of like a Rudy Gobert type, and he hangs his head on defense. R.J. Barrett, if you're thinking of a comp for R.J. Barrett, a big kind of bully style wing that can't shoot. What about Ron Artest? Doesn't that make a lot of sense for, for an R.J. Barrett comp? And Artest could average 20 a game. He did average 20 a game a couple years. But he hung his hat on defense. And Barrett's length and strength at his age tells me that he could be an elite defender. And Thibodeau might be the guy that could unlock it. But like you had mentioned before with Atkinson, as far as minutes, Thibodeau wears his guys down. He's going to kill him. Yeah, he grinds him down. Um, after a while, our, and our young people are going to buy into that. So correct me if I'm wrong, most of Thibodeau's wins, were they more towards the beginning of his career? Or was it more spread out? Uh, well, he won in Chicago. That was, kind of, that was kind of his first head coaching gig. Uh, but he won as a coordinator for the Celtics. They won one title with him. After he left, they didn't win a title. Um, and then he wins He wins a lot in Chicago. They're basically a, gate, a gatekeeper yeah. for yeah. LeBron. Yeah. Then he gets canned from there. He doesn't get a job until he goes to Minnesota. And in Minnesota... Um, he made the playoffs, so I think that's got to count for something. He had a little tiff with Butler. He, he did. He had, Whose fault is it? I don't know. Jimmy Butler's. He gets into it with everybody, doesn't he? Is that, so, like, I'm, I know Thibodeau can. Grind I'm not going to put that one on Thibodeau. Yeah. I'm not going to put that. The other thing is the Olympic stuff with Thibodeau. I think that helps because I think players kind of respect the Olympic coaches a little bit. So odds. Uh, for Atkinson, I'm going to go four to one. Okay. And for Thibodeau, I'm also going to go four to one. I'm going to say those are the two. I got Atkinson right like a, a half a, a half. Think a, he's a favorite. A little bit more than Tibbs. The only thing, the only thing I'll, I'll say against Atkinson is: Are the Knicks going to hire the Nets fire? Like, and that's I think, true. Like they didn't pursue D'Angelo Russell in the offseason. Maybe they could have. Um, so would the Knicks hire the Nets fire? But I do think that he makes the most sense for that team. Like you said, player development guru. Um, he's got a great record with point guards. They need a point guard. Um, can he get that out of Dennis Smith Jr. or, or Frank Nielakina? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he'd be a good hire for them. Do you have any uh, other coaches? Yeah, I think we should just mention Van Gundy. Um, I know it's been a really long time, but just for the nostalgia factor, I mean, the last time the Knicks had real success was in the Van Gundy era. Uh, he's insightful as an announcer, but is he too far removed? 2007, last time he coached. That's yeah, a long time. How do you get him out of... The quote unquote booth. booth. Yeah, that's a good question. And also, when you think of a, do you want to do you want to get him out of the booth? I don't know because when you, when you think of a Van Gundy team, right? It's always big guy and guard, like an old school. Like he had Patrick, and then after that, it was the Yao. These older the guys, the game has changed a lot. Yeah, I'm worried. Like at least Thibodeau's coach, like last year. Yeah, like, yeah. With Van Gundy, I I don't know. Um, I'd be I'd be weary to bring in Van Gundy, but I'm sure there's a lot of Nick fans out there that are like, yeah, bring back Van Gundy, glory days, oh, you know. But I. You think uh, you think Becky Hammond has a shot? Becky, well, okay, that could be a dark horse for them. Uh, Spurs tree, uh, the summer league guys like her. Um, good, good way to repair the image of the franchise, right? You you, you break a barrier. You hi, you, know, you know everyone's down in the Knicks, but you break a barrier. You hire a woman. Now it's like, oh, look at the Knicks progressive. That's actually a really good point. Um, yeah. So just from a PR standpoint, I think it's a good move. Right? But it's risky, and I'll tell you why it's risky because. She doesn't have experience as a head coach, and if it doesn't work out in two years and you have to get rid of her, you're back to square one, and it looks bad because you bring in Becky Hammond, you break the barrier, and two years later you're like, eh. And, and, and then, you know, with the Knicks kind of reputation, it's going to be like, well, it was the Knicks. So. She's got that summer league title, 2015 on there. About. Yeah, you know, Jonathan Simmons, remember he had that breakout with San Antonio? Yeah, yeah. He, he credits her a lot for, like, the summer league stuff. So, I mean, she's going to get a shot eventually, so I don't see why not, so... I'm just going to mention one more name for the Knicks. Um, it's a name that has been linked to the Knicks and the Nets. He's from Brooklyn. He's one in the league. 
Mark Jackson. Mike, what do you think about Mark Jackson? I don't love it. I'll tell you what I don't like about Mark stay Jackson. Away, stay I, away I'm just going to tell you why I don't like Mark Jackson. Um, he couldn't unlock the Warriors the way Kerr unlocked the Warriors. That's number one. Number two, he clashed with his front office in Golden State. And number three, a lot of the overtop prayer religion stuff I think is going to rub a lot of players the wrong way. So I know that um, Curry respected him a lot. I know that those guys really – he's definitely like a leader type. But I just don't trust his X's and O's. So I would not bring in Mark Jackson. It's my opinion. I don't like the guys that they're always talking about too. He's every single, every single yeah. year. Oh, how come nobody oh. How come nobody Mark took Jackson. him? How come nobody Mark grabbed Jackson. him? Mark Jackson. Yeah, Mark Jackson. yeah. yeah. No. Move on. Hard Move on. pass. Yeah. Um, so the season, let's say it comes back. Okay. What are you doing? What are you? What are the Knicks doing? If if I'm the Knicks, I what is the incentive to play? There is none. There's just I mean you're playing for you can't make the playoffs. You're playing for the lottery. I just if if I'm the NBA, why am I bringing back the lottery teams? Like I know some teams were on the cusp of making the playoffs. The whole the whole regular season. I mean the whole season in general is probably gonna have an asterisk anyway. So I, I don't see the point in bringing back every team. And I think if you're going to condense it to where it's just 16 teams of playoffs, you can eliminate half the field so there's less people. I think I don't think, the, I don't think a regular season makes any sense at all. I would just take the 16 teams that are in the playoffs, run a little 10-20 game, uh, maybe scrimmage practice type deal, and then away we go, playoffs, condensed, crown a champion, done deal. That's done. what I would do. Agreed. Um, yeah. So... Basically, in summary, you say no to Chris Paul. I'm going no with Chris Paul based on age, money, and I, I yeah, no, no on Chris Paul. So I'm going, I'm going yes on Chris Paul. Bring him in, and then for the coach, you're Co- picking Atkinson. Coach, I'm picking Atkinson. But once you said like the Nets garbage, not garbage, but you know, like, like the Nets fire. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I, I still, I personally would go with Kenny Atkinson. I would pick Atkinson. Yeah. but I'm gonna predict Thibodeau. Okay. Yeah. That's where I'm at okay. with the Knicks. I like that. So on to the Nets. Um, and with the Nets, the, the chatter this week has been Kevin Durant. And let me give you the timeline on uh, the Kevin Durant injury. Okay? So he gets Kevin Durant gets hurt in the finals. We know that. Uh, he's essentially ruled out for the entire season at the opening press, at the opening press conference on media day. And Kyrie basically says, we're going to protect him. We're not going to bring him back like the Warriors did, blah, blah, blah. Okay? So that happens. So video starts to leak of his progress. First, it's his shooting. Then he's playing some scrimmages. It looks like he's playing some two-on-two. His mom comes out. His mom said, I know he's not playing. So it looks like it's over. His teammates come out and say he's completely unguardable. Okay? So the video comes by where he's blown by Nick Claxton getting a slam dunk. He looks awesome. And then the league suspends play. So now with the suspension of play, there's a growing question of whether or not he should come back. So that becomes the topic. Uh, will he come back? They asked Sean Marks in a New Zealand interview, should he come back? His answer, that's the $114 million question. So rather than saying no, which he said the entire year so far, he leaves it open to interpretation. Also, Ian Eagle goes on Francesca's show and says he's ready to go and he's chopping at the bit. Those are quotes to come back. Then they go to Rich Kleiman, and Rich Kleiman says it seems unrealistic for him to come back. That's, that's KD's best friend, that's his agent, that's his business partner, yada, yada, yada. Um, and then yesterday, Woj comes out on TV and says, Kevin Durant's not coming back, he's not coming back, the Nets are not going to bring him back. Do you think KD will come back if there's a season? That's my first question. And number two, do you think KD should come back if there's a season? Okay, can we start? When, when, are, when are we assuming that the season is starting? Just give me you, what, you, what your timeline would be. Let's, let's, say, let, let's give it 60 days. Let's say 60 would, days okay. from today. today is, 60 days, I don't think he comes back. So say around the 4th of July they kick off. Okay, 4th of July, I don't think he comes back because that's still not that full season off plus off season, which I think that they were expecting ah, okay, him to have. Okay, okay. Which that, so it would have kicked him all the way basically to Halloween of next year. Right. Of this year, but for, for, for the next season. Okay. Um, do I want him to come back? No. I don't no. want him to come back. Um, I want him to have the full rehab. Even though it is totally different situation, 
the whole reason why the injury happened in right, Golden State. Yeah, I mean, what, it was like it was like eight days yeah, or whatever yeah, the hell it yeah, was. Yeah, like, yeah. the the situation is totally different. But and also, I think his rehab might have been a little different if he expected to have game like real NBA gameplay in sixty days by July fourth. He would have had a different. I don't. I'm just assuming. They might have ramped it up a little bit. Would have ramped it up a little earlier, and now they might just be ramping up just to get him back when he would have had his ramp up. Would have had his ramp up period more towards like a September, early September point. So I would just the fourteen hundred fourteen million dollar question. Nah, just just let him let him take the rest of the season off, and maybe if they start the second season around Christmas time, not the second season, but next season around Christmas time. He'll have how many months is that off? 14, yeah, 15, true. 16 the, the months? Other thing, the other thing with what you just said is if they do bring back the season, you could showcase the guys that are playing yeah. as potential trade assets for the future. Yes. Like if Levert were to have a monster playoff series, what does that mean I didn't in terms think of, of acquiring that. a third star? Uh-huh. Or if Dinwi were to do that, or Jared Allen if he were to have a coming out party. So that's also something to consider. I'm sure Durant's like, yeah, I'm ready now. Put me in. Yeah. But. Um, so. If you took the average time of every single player that's ever torn an Achilles, the average amount of time the NBA player has sat, the average time between between the injury and when they came back, the average time is 292 days. So if we took that 292 days and we applied it to Kevin Durant, it would have meant a March 19th return. So he would have came back, when did Leafs suspend play? Right around then, right? Maybe a little bit before. Maybe so two Durant would have been ramping up to come back, basically. It would yeah. have been on the trip that they were on. They were on the West Coast trip, basically. It was, like, right there. Okay? So, obviously, he wasn't looking to do that. But you got to figure we're at least 60 to 90 days out from a season, right? We're already a couple months past that date. Um, if he doesn't come back, there's a chance that they don't play basketball until Christmas after that. Let's say, let's say they bring the season back, right? And he's like, nah, I'm not going to play. Okay. Now... He's not playing until Christmas, okay? So, how's he going to look? Um, history says not that great. Um, but we do know with, with medicine and stuff like that, that there's a chance that he is a little bit better than players that have previously gotten injured. And we know with a little bit of time, uh, with, with a little bit of time off, that uh, a little bit of extra time off, that maybe it'll make a difference. But with uh, Durant's comeback, if, if you're going to miss 16, 18 months of basketball, is that going to affect you? Is that a danger? I mean, he's probably he's going out there scrimmaging yeah, with guys, but I know it's like true. full game you know, like, speed, back-to-back I mean, night, stuff like that. But This comparison, obviously, completely different. Michael Jordan leaves, comes back after a year and a half. Not the same guy right away. No, yeah, and he was, um, he was playing baseball. But it, but he did, get that, he did get that little bit of tune-up in the playoffs. And that kind of geared him up for the following season. So yeah. Kevin Durant, this could be like a little... And I'm not saying you got to bring him back and play him 40 minutes. But if you bring him back, play him 20 minutes a game, run the spot up, um, you know, that kind of stuff. You don't have to run the offense through him exactly, but use him as you, know, use him as you can. You know, pick your spots with him and be smart about it. I don't see why he shouldn't come back. And I, I honestly think he should because I think more time off, you know, more time away from the competitive nature of basketball, you know, how long before you, it kind of slips away from you? you got to... He's cleared... He's cleared. Cle- he's cleared. Yeah. Yes. So, is it ultimately his decision? It is. It's going to be it's up to his him. decision. It's going to be up yeah. to him. I still, I, I'm going with no. Okay. I'm going with no. It. Just yeah. because it's a short. You know, I, I really like what you, you said. Aaron about on the sh- safe side. Just showcase the other guys too. Yeah. If you're, if you're dead set, I'm getting that third guy. Yeah. Even though you know, I think you already have it in Levert. But um, if you really want that third guy, I think yeah, do boom, use yeah. it as showcase. What do you got to lose? What For do you sure. Got to lose? I think you should come back. I don't. I don't think the layoff. I don't think a big layoff is necessarily a great thing. Um, I think you got to get in there. you got to shake off some of the rust. The other Durant question, how's he going to look? Uh, what is a Kevin Durant? Paint me a picture of Kevin Durant post-injury. Slower. A little slower? Definitely slower. More, uh, more spot-ups, right? right? More spot-ups. So history says you're not as good. Um, his game should age well um, because he is a shooter. Uh, he's... Obviously, you cannot block his shot. He'll shoot right over the top of you. He'll shoot right over the top of you. Um, A lot of players have an act two. Okay, when that act two starts um, is usually determined by your age, your athleticism. Uh, Kevin Durant's act two may have just been accelerated because of the injury. Um, 
You think about Michael Jordan, young Michael Jordan, uh, stylistically, young Michael Jordan in the 80s, early 90s, probably a little bit closer to Russell Westbrook than, than that's an unusual comparison to make, but freak athlete, can't really shoot that well, um, a little bit out of control, a little bit erratic, great scorer, exciting player to watch. Eventually, eventually he was able to hone his game, become a better shooter and win. And then if you think about Jordan's second act, now he's more of a post player, he's a little bit slower, he's, he's mid-range, it's footwork, it's brains, it's smarts, um, it's just different. Um, same thing with LeBron. LeBron. Now LeBron's athleticism hasn't really waned as much as, as other players, but he went from not being able to post up to being the most unstoppable player in the low post in the whole entire NBA. So pe people style evolves. So when I think about Durant and his evolution, I'm, I'm thinking about late career Dirk Nowitzki. Um, I'm thinking a lot of high post stuff, a lot of one-legged fadeaways. Think about that that run that the Dallas had uh, when they won the title and Dirk Nowitzki was pretty much unstoppable against Miami. And I'm thinking for Durant that that could be your floor is kind of a, a, a one-legged fadeaway, a, a lot of spot-up threes, a lot of a lot of post touches. And on defense, I'm sliding them over to power forward instead of small forward because I don't want them on the perimeter. What percentage drop-off do you think you're going to get? Best-case scenario. I, I really Best don't know. That's a great, that's great question. Um, you're getting like 85%, 90%, or are you going to be more I'm thinking, 70s? I'm thinking you're going to lose about 10%. I think you're going to get 90% of KD. I think he's still going to be a top 10 player. I don't know if he's going to be a top 2 player. Put it that way. Okay. Take top 10. Yeah, absolutely. Take top 10. Yeah. All right, so you, want, you think KD back? I think he should come back. You don't think. You, you're kind of erring on the safe side. Makes sense. Just Yeah, safe. Yeah, and while we're on the Nets, uh, they also have a coaching vacancy. So, give me some candidates that you think make sense and, and what kind of fit they could provide. Let's go with the incumbent again, right? Jock Vaughn. Jock Vaughn. Um, had a pretty ugly stint in Orlando. Yep. Been Kenny's assistant. Um, don't know if that rubbed off. Probably did. I, um, I think that's a plus. That's a plus. Because I think ownership liked Kenny's staff. Yes. Um, and I think he could implement some of his own style. You could see that he kind of stretched the minutes a little bit. For sure. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, He's 2-0. And they just beat LeBron in L.A. Undefeated? Undefeated. Um, Do I think he's going to be the guy? No. I think he's got a better shot than Mike Miller does, put it that way. Yes. I think ownership actually wants to give him a fair chance. Um, I think there's a decent shot. I think if the season comes back and they win a playoff series or two, I think it might be a situation where it's like, okay, let's see what this guy's got next year. KD and Kyrie, good relationship with so him. So far, yeah. Um, I think that's going to play a huge part that in what I get, yeah, of course. That's, that's, that's everything. Um, would, I, would, would I give him a shot? Um, I wish he had the rest of the season. The entire I want to season. More. I wanted to I want see, to see more. more too. Um, yeah. I don't think he's going to get the job, but I think he's a good candidate. I don't think he'll get the job. Um, to me, the favorite for this job would be Tyron Lowe. Um He's won a championship. He's won it with Kyrie. Uh, he's coached LeBron. We know he can coach egos. Uh, Dudley and Jalen Rose have both called him one of the best X and O's guys in the league. Really? Or not? Yeah. So I, I think he gets a bad rep because he's only coached stars. So people are just people just assume, hey man, the coach does nothing. It's LeBron. But I think Lou actually did a pretty good job with that team. He obviously juggled egos. He's going to be a lot of money. He turned down a lot of money in L.A. He's Doc's assistant um, right now? Right now, yeah. He's, he's an assistant system. coach right now. He's going to be really expensive. But we know he's got experience. He's coached stars and he's won. So I think he's a good candidate. Uh, the best candidate, I'm not sure. Odds. Just on Lou. Uh, Tyron Lou, I'm, I'm, I'm putting at plus 350. I had him, I had him at plus 200. Oh, so you think he's favorite? Yeah, I think, yeah, he's, I think, I think he's, he's locked up. Okay. Um, who else you got out there? Jay Kidd. I had him on my list too. Uh, what do you like about Kidd? Nostalgia. Yeah. Um, he's had franchise icon. He's kind of, both of his head coaching stints have been kind of rough though. Yeah, very, they've been they very. didn't end well either one. The next one ended really bad. He tried basically to he basically organized a mutiny. Yeah. Uh, over Billy King, but ownership's gone and front office. Every single member of ownership front office gone. from that time period. Gone. And was he right to, to want to overthrow Billy King, who's the worst GM maybe of all time? Can he get Kyrie's head on straight? <laughs> Kyrie grew up a Nets fan. His favorite player was Kid. Uh, there's there's going to be a respect level there. Uh, they uh, Kid played with Durant in the Olympics also. Kid never lost the Olympics. Um, he's proven to be adaptable. Um, 
But uh, as soon as he left Milwaukee, they took off. It's like the second he left, they became a 60-win team. He's out in L.A. too, right? Um, the Lakers, right? What's he doing? He's an assistant to assistant, the Lakers. Okay. Yeah, so um, he, he'll probably get another job. Um, I, I don't want him, to be honest. I, he wouldn't be my first choice, but if they hired him, I would be okay with it. Because I do, I do think that there would be respect level there from, from Durant and Kyrie that probably nobody else would get. Because Jason Kidd is a winner, pro champion, never lost the Olympics, maybe the best point guard, one of the best point guards ever, all that, franchise icon. That's why I think um, he would earn the respect of these guys. Another candidate? Um, Tibbs also, right? Yeah. Tibbs, um, kind of the same... Yeah, you're going to echo a lot of stuff with the Knicks. Uh, He's a winner. Um, I don't think Thibodeau makes sense for the Nets. I think it makes less sense for the Nets than he does for the Knicks. Because the Nets, as talented as they are, very injury prone. Uh, Thibodeau's a guy who's, again, he all day needed a spinal tap in the middle of a playoff series. So he really grinds these guys down to a a powder. If he's got both of them on the table, though, he's going to come to Brooklyn. How do you not? Yeah, if he's got both jobs available, if he gets like both uh, offers, I would he's, think he's that he's yeah, yeah, because you're gonna win. Yeah, uh, games. The Knicks is kind of rebuilding. I think if you're a coach, you want. But then again, you might have a little bit more rope with the Knicks. If you come to if you come to the Nets and you don't hit the ground running, you might get hacked up. Quick trick versus where yeah. the Knicks, you might have a little runway because they're not as good. Um, but still, I think the Nets. How is how is Tibbs player development wise? He drafted. He pushed to draft Jimmy Butler with the last pick in the first round. Okay. And if you watch Butler's development over the years, I mean, he's got another insane work ethic, also. But like, yeah, I, I think I think pretty good. Uh, I think I think he's really good at devising defenses, and I think he would come up with something that we haven't seen yet to try to stop uh, some of these modern offenses that are shooting a ton of threes. Um, so I, I I don't like it for the net. I, I wouldn't mind it because he's a good. I think he's a good coach. I think he would probably also get some respect too. With the Olympic stuff, but I am not personally going to pick Tibbs as my guy. You got any dark horses? Yeah, I'm going to tell you my choice actually right now. Wait, you're, this is your this is my choice. If I'm da- a dark horse choice, my number my one pick for the Nets. My number one pick would be okay. Mike D'Antoni. All right, be number one. He's the godfather of the modern NBA. He's basically created what we watch now. Um, he's Kenny Atkinson on steroids. Okay. <laughs> um, He's co- every year he coaches the best offense in the league. His point guards win MVP. Steve Nash won MVP. James Harden won MVP. You can walk up to Kyrie and be like, hey, if you stay healthy, you're going to win an MVP. Okay? <laughs> He's never had a player of Durant's caliber. Um, the only similar stylistic comparison would be Carmelo Anthony, and he clashed with Carmelo Anthony. Durant is not similar to Anthony in that sense, I don't think, because Durant scores within the flow of an offense. Um, Durant left... Oklahoma City to go play in Golden State because he wanted basketball nirvana. He wanted a higher level of basketball, okay? He got it. Um, with Brooklyn, if you bring in D'Antoni, now you're, gonna, you're gonna, probably going to challenge him again as far as what, what can, how can we bend this game? How can we change this game uh, with Durant? You're going to see him used in probably ways that we're not accustomed to. Um, and... I think he's got a chip on his shoulder because he never won a title. People hold that against him, obviously. But considering the teams he's had, how close he's... They were up 3-2 on the Warriors. Like, if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt, they might win that series. They might win the title. They might beat... The, uh, his son's team might beat the Spurs if there's no suspensions in that series. So he's right there. Um, if you, you, you adding the two best... Two of the top ten offensive players in the NBA with one of the best offensive coaches of all time. I really like the fit there. I think he'd have a chip on his shoulder because he's never won. Factor in the chip that Kyrie probably has because he didn't win without LeBron, and then the chip that Durant would probably have because he wants to prove that he's the best player in the NBA. I think it's I think it'll all work together. And D'Antoni obviously has the Olympic background, so he knows these guys. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think they'd be the most fun team to watch in the league, and he would be my pick. Do they look at him in the offseason? Well, yeah, he's he's not gonna he's not he's gonna not. get brought back by no, Houston. He's not. So. He'll be out there. What do you think about that? Odds? What do you think? I got D'Antoni plus 450. This, I got tied he, with Kidd as the number two to most likely. To I think Lou's the most likely candidate. I got Kidd and D'Antoni at 450. I had Lou at 350. So I got Tibbs at 800. I got Jacques one at 800. You just talked me into D'Antoni. So yeah, I'm I, in. I like D'Antoni. Um, I put Mark Jackson in there. He's plus 1,000. He's from Brooklyn. Again, his name keeps getting linked. And just no. That's just what I say for Mark Jackson. Um, 
Do you have another... Um, I have an absolute dark horse. No shot he's getting hired, but... He's been there... He's been an assistant for three years and director of player development. Um, Adam Harrington. Oh, okay. He's the um, right guy, too. The right guy, too. Yes. he's he, In OKC, he was KD's personal trainer. Oh, wow. Um, okay. That, that I did not know. Just a high-energy, positive guy all the time. Been, been in the organization. Great dresser, by the way. The sneaker, blazer combo. Love it. Rocks. Uh, beard. Yeah. Beard's looking good, good, too. Good beard. Um, that was just in my dark horse column. Um, if they try to stay within the organization and they don't like Vaughn, um, he's probably next on the list. Yeah, I would think um, so. But I, it's not going to happen. Um, I had about 75 to 1. Okay, that's <laughs> fair. Um, yeah. What does a Nets-Raptors series look like? If the Nets and Rap- if the season came back and the playoffs started, the Nets would play the Raptors. What does that look like? Are we going KD or no KD? Well, we could do one with and one without. Let's just start with the regular season. Uh January 4th, Toronto blows him out, blows out the Nets. Van Fleet, 29-11 in that game, okay? February 8th, Levert scores 37 in a comeback, but Toronto holds on, 119-118. And then four days later, the Nets end Toronto's 14-game win streak. Levert again, 27-4. The theme here, Levert likes playing against uh, Toronto. Uh, Toronto wins two out of three, but one of them is a coin flip. So it'll be neutral site. Neutral site, no home court. No home court. Um... I think Toronto will win. Based on my FanDuel selections for the past, for basically the entire year, um, where I went any big against the Nets, um, Siakam, Ibaka, Gasol. Yeah. They always just they always just put it in. There was never an answer. Any team. And I just think that'll translate right into this series. And Toronto would win uh, five, six games, probably. Maybe they stretch it maybe the Nets stretch it to a seven, but I don't think I don't think they would win. I got Toronto in six also. I think, I, again, like you had mentioned, uh, the, all the versatile big guys that Toronto has, that, that kind of made them matchup-proof last year. And the, the, the Nets don't have an answer for that. They brought in DeAndre Jordan for Joel Embiid, basically. And Embiid's not on the Raptors. Um, <laughs> so that's that's a problem. Uh, Toronto doesn't really have a guy that can stop Levert, so I think Levert will have a big series. I, I think Siakam would also have a monster series. Um, but I hey, Who's think, guarding Siakam? That's a great question. I think probably Dinwiddie, in all honesty. We, the Nets do not have a player that could stop him right now. So maybe Garrett Temple they throw at him. Um, unless Durant plays. But I, I got Toronto in six if Durant doesn't play. If Durant does play. You flip me, the switch Yeah, completely. let me paint this picture for you, okay? <laughs> yeah. um, revenge factor. He gets hurt in Toronto. They bowl. He gets carried off the court. The Warriors dynasty ends. There's some bad blood there. Now he comes back. He gives the Nets a different dimension that they didn't have. What does that look like? Go Net, ahead. Nets sweep. <laughs> <laughs> I think Durant, he's going to be limited. But I think his presence alone, I would pick the Nets in six, especially when you consider the neutral court. Um, I think if you plug him in a power forward, he's just such an upgrade over Torian Prince that I think that makes the difference in the series. Um, yeah. That, that, so I, I, that's, what I, that's what I would guess. Speaking of Torian Prince, I love the memes that are popping off. Like, <laughs> what I would do to watch Torian, Torian Prince, Prince go two yeah. for 18. <laughs> By the way, Nets is a six seed. Nets as a, Nets as a six seed in 2007 beat Toronto as a three seed in six games. Okay? 2014, Nets as a six seed beats Toronto in, in seven games. Okay? So that's twice they were a six seed, twice they played Toronto, twice they beat them. Toronto's a three seed. This would be a two seven matchup. Can they possibly repeat history? I think they need KD. They need Ray back. Definitely. Sure. I, you never know how some of these guys, too, um, would come back from such a break. Who knows who's been not working out? Yeah. Like, I mean, who I the hell knows? Marcus Saul. <laughs> that would be my prediction for a guy that comes in. Maybe he's been a little bit heavy on the, uh, you know, uh, beer. Uh, <laughs> it's just a weird drink for me. Uh, Kyle Lowry. Anyone on the Nets you see Kyle like that? Kyle, Kyle Lowry kind of oh. looks like a cakey. Right? <laughs> Yeah. Who who do you see that happening to on, on the, the Nets? Nets. Um, currently? Yeah, I don't know. DeAndre Jordan strikes me as the type that might come in with some heavy feet. Um, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, but besides that, I think DeAndre's the one guy. Yeah, yeah. For <coughs> Kyrie and Kemba. So Kyrie uh, mentioned earlier today, um, one-on-one. He wants the smoke, quote-unquote, is what he said. <laughs> so... Can we make this happen, number one? And number two, give me a line on it. What, break down some of the minutiae of it. What do you mean? Like, 
He's not a free agent. They're trade for him. No, no. Kyrie and Kemba play him one on one. Oh, that's what happened today. Yeah, Kyrie, oh. Kyrie said he wants to play Kemba Walker one on one. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I totally misunderstood yeah. that. Um, who wins? Yeah, I'm going Kyrie. Kyrie, yeah. I, I think Kyrie could beat. What are they playing to? Are they playing to like let's what? Play, let's play to twenty one. Play to twenty one. Give me a score. Winners ball. Yeah. Twos? Is, is there twos? Yeah, twos. One to twos. Um, I'm taking. Calling all fouls. I'm taking Kyrie twenty one like twelve. Yeah. Twenty one. Yeah, I'll say twenty one fourteen. I'll give Kemba uh, yeah. two twos. Give me a line on it. Okay. What's a FanDuel line look like? Um, I'm going Kyrie. Is it a point spread or just straight win outs? No, just just to win. Just to win. Kyrie. Give minus... me both. Give me both. Okay. I think Kyrie. Kyrie's minus six and a half. Six and a half. Kyrie wow. minus six Big and line. a half. And um, I'll go like minus one eighty for the money line. Wow. Okay, so you got Kyrie's a heavy favorite. Yeah, Kyrie. I'm going Kyrie minus one forty. Okay. I'm going Kemba plus one twenty five on the comeback. Okay. And. Kyrie minus three and a half. Three and a half, all right. Yeah. And, and, and Kevin gets the ball first. It's a tough shooter to step back. Kyrie's not a great defender. But Kyrie is just, I mean, one-on-one, that's his thing. I mean, Can this happen? can't stop. Please, be kidding me? <laughs> be amazing. Um, so, yeah, that was, that, was, that was the other thing today. Um, and real quick, before, before we leave you guys, uh, NFL schedule. Uh, any takeaways? Giants, Jets, anything of note? I didn't... L- Look too much into it. Um, as a Dolphin fan, I just saw that they are playing in Vegas the day after Christmas. Whoever wants to get on board, let me know. <laughs> okay. I like it. I like it. Uh, for the Giants, uh, opening day, home, Pittsburgh, September 14th. Might be a good one. Um, also, they get, they get Tom Brady in the stadium over here. That could be interesting. Um, those are two that I like. For the Jets... Um, that division, just those division games, I think they're all winnable. I think they could they could potentially run the table in that division if, if things break right. So um, yeah, it should be fun. Hopefully, it's, hopefully it's back sooner than later. Great. Well, that's all we have today. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, if you have any opinions on whether Durant should come back, who the Knicks should hire, whether they should go grab Chris Paul, let us know. Um, and uh, we'll see you next week, possibly yeah. with some. Uh, some stuff with the uh, greatest franchise in New York history or maybe another topic if the news picks up. We'll definitely finish up the uh, last dance for next week. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for Looking sure. Looking forward to it. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place.